Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. Monday edition of the PFT PM Podcast. Was waiting to tape this until we got the word on the fate of Kareem Hunt, the former Chiefs running back who was available to be claimed on waivers by 4 p.m. Eastern today. No one claimed Hunt on waivers. And about... 35 minutes after the deadline for claiming Hunt on waivers, TMZ had another report of an incident from January of 2018. Less specificity than the two previous reports, one from February of 2018, one from June of 2018. But Hunt now has three incidents that the league undoubtedly will have to explore and investigate during this period of time where he is unemployed. If anyone would sign him, he would go back on the commissioner exemplist. He won't be allowed to play until... The league decides what to do with him, and at that point, there will be most likely an unpaid suspension. Six games, eight games, ten games a year, who knows? Who knows? This third incident raises the stakes for Hunt, if it can be corroborated at all, because the personal conduct policy, as it was originally beefed up by the commissioner back in April of 2007, with the one-year suspension of Pac-Man Jones and the eight-game suspension of the late Chris Henry, that was done primarily with the goal of addressing repeat offenders and dispensing with this concept of innocent until proven guilty if you are arrested multiple times. At a certain point, the NFL is not going to buy the wrong place at the wrong time story. After two, three, four incidents, you're going to get in trouble with the league, even if you've never been in trouble with the criminal justice system. And of course, we've seen now in the aftermath of Ray Rice, you can be in trouble with the league, even if you're never arrested for one incident, if it involves some form of violence. So a violence against obviously another person, not violence against only your car, violence against another person, male or female, it doesn't matter. The way it's written, it's a baseline six game suspension. We've seen it go down. It in theory can go up. And with Hunt, because of that video, see, the video is going to drive the outcome here. The video looks so bad and the reaction was so strong. The NFL is going to look for a way to suspend him, I think, more than six games. So the teams out there that may be interested in him, instead of acquiring a short-term PR problem, they just wait. And it's actually better for him in the long run because when he is cleared to play, He'll be a free agent. Now, I don't know what kind of contract he would get. And see, the problem is he doesn't have enough years of service. He won't be eligible for free agency. Yeah, see, it's going to be a delicate negotiation because no one's going to want to commit any real money to him, even though his performance would merit it. And if you just do a one-year deal, when it expires, you would have rights like exclusive rights free agent, restricted free agent. He's still going to have to prove himself over a course of two or three years before he sets himself up for the kind of payday that he was on track to get. 
And he wouldn't have gotten a payday from the Chiefs. I saw in the item in The Athletic that had a couple of good nuggets that we drew out over the weekend. There was a comment in there that the Chiefs were thinking about giving Hunt a large contract after this season. You can't. Under the 2011 CBA, you have to wait until three years have transpired for a drafted player. For an undrafted player, you can do it after two. For a drafted player, you got to put in three years. After the final regular season game of the third year, that's when a new contract can be done. And that's all irrelevant at this point to Hunt. And it's good that no one claimed him. Mike Tirico had a great idea that the NFL needs to implement that once a player is put on the commissioner exempt list, and I may be revising a bit what Mike said, but basically he wants pause to be pressed. And the easy way to do it is once you're on commissioner exempt list, it's all frozen. And yes, the player gets paid, right? While he's on the commissioner exempt list. And oh, well, that's the breaks for taking a chance on a guy who got himself into trouble. Even if you had no reason to believe it, you're responsible. Guy gets into trouble. Either you shouldn't have given him a job in the first place, or you should have done a better job of keeping him out of trouble. But that's better than a situation where the guy is cut and then other teams start making football decisions, not not decisions based upon whether it's right or wrong for this guy to be getting another job at a time when we're in the very early stages of sorting out this incident. And this is all PR driven. And look, when I make these points, I'm not saying that the victim should be forgotten or overlooked. This is an effort to figure out how the NFL and its teams deal with these problems. And it is driven by PR. The whole thing is driven by PR. The whole approach to imposing discipline on players for things they do on their own time. And I'm a firm believer that the employer should not get involved in the things that happen on someone's own time. That's between that person and the criminal justice system or the civil justice system. It should not be a matter that falls within the purview of the employer, unless it in some way directs and affects what that employee can and can't do for the employer. For example, you get a DUI and you drive a truck, can't work. You, I don't know, I don't want to start spitballing examples because number one, I'm tired, and number two, I'll end up saying something stupid. You have to know how to protect yourself from yourself. But there are surely examples of crimes that would have a core impact on what you do as an employee and what your job is. Otherwise, I've been a firm believer for years, back when I was practicing law. Why do you care what somebody does on their own time? If they're able to show up for work, they're able to show up for work. Why are we passing judgment on people when there is a public agency that has the jurisdiction exclusively to mete out punishment for things that are done away from work? Now, with the NFL and the NFL Players Association, because they've agreed to it, that's what it is. And it's because of PR. That's why the NFLPA agreed to it. You're willing to sacrifice, ultimately, the rights of a handful of guys every year, because if you have one string of arrests after another and there's no consequence for it, it makes everybody look bad. It hurts the sport. It gets people less inclined to watch football. And the beefing up of the personal conduct policy has worked. We've seen a reduction in these incidents. That's what makes what we've seen over the last couple of weeks even more glaring. Ruben Foster, his second domestic violence arrest of the year, cut by the 49ers, claimed on waivers by Washington, and now Kareem Hunt. That video that came out of the blue 
on Friday afternoon, someone with an AFC team texted me, is that really Kareem Hunt? I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I mentioned this on the radio hour of PFT Live. They was like, what are you talking about? And then I saw what the person was talking about. Amazing how fast things unfolded. And look, because he wasn't claimed on waivers, there's nothing to say about his status beyond what I've already said. Although I am curious to know what would have happened but for Washington's misadventures last week with Reuben Foster. Now, as it relates to the issues with the league's investigation, and I've got some ideas that I'll be writing about and talking about in the coming days, but first of all, they need to get the video in cases like this. That's a given. You've got to get the video. And I'm curious as to whether or not it was a cursory, perfunctory box checking exercise to get the video. Hey, hotel, can we have the video? No. Okay, thank you. Hey, law enforcement department, can we have the video? What video? Okay, thank you. Or was it an aggressive effort to impress upon everyone involved the importance of getting this information? Hey, hotel, we have an employee who is a resident, not just a a guest, a resident in your hotel. Those hallways are essentially public areas. We need to see what he did because we have rules and regulations that he is a party to through his union and we have to be able to see it. Hey, law enforcement agency, why aren't you getting the video? Why aren't you investigating this? We want you to investigate it. You can put public pressure on the law enforcement agency if you want to. You can put public pressure on the hotel if you want to. And I got problems with a system where you've got essentially public areas in a hotel. You've got cameras there. And you've got a hotel that refuses to give up the information. But there'll be a rogue employee at some point who sells it to TMZ. I got a problem with that. And there's been a suggestion that the NFL should make like TMZ and start buying these videos. I suggested on Saturday you should figure out whoever is doing this at TMZ and hire that person. My understanding is the NFL is concerned that because the NFL isn't a traditional media operation, they wouldn't be entitled to the same privileges that would apply if, for example, the hotel would file legal action over the breach of policy and the breach of privacy and the the transfer of money and if it's a media outlet I guess the thinking is they can protect their sources and a lot of it depends upon what jurisdiction you're in but the NFL doesn't think it would be entitled to that same protection well the NFL's got its own media outlet I mean I joked to the person I was talking to about it yesterday just give rap sheet 20 grand and let him be the one who pays TMZ You have your own media outlet, so I don't know why they're concerned about that. I think the deeper issue is they believe there's something unseemly about the practice, and they don't want that to be tied to them. And and really, it's easy for us to criticize the NFL for not doing everything they can to get the video. If they had paid 20 grand, 30 grand, 50 grand to get the video, and that came out, they'd be criticized for that by somebody. Well, we appreciate the fact that you need to get the video, but do you have to operate in such a seedy manner? Is that really what you stand for? So there's no good way out of this for the NFL. And I wish that the hotels involved, the people who are the custodians of these videos, would be more forthcoming with the 
the images that are captured. This isn't for some gratuitous or improper purpose. There is a reason for it. And maybe they just need to have statutes that are ultimately enacted in these various states to require the hotels or whoever the custodians of these videos are, although I don't know how much of a priority that's going to be in the state house where a bill like that would have to percolate. Now, as to not interviewing Kareem Hunt, the position of the league is that they wait until the end of the road, the end of the investigation to talk to the player. And and I, I get that in theory, but here's the thing. The investigation was going nowhere. So at some point, if you're going to call the alleged victim and call the alleged victim and call the alleged victim, and she's not going to respond at some point, you talk to hunt at some point, you tentatively close the case pending future, uh, future, excuse me, developments. You don't just let it hang open. That's the thing that bothers me about this. There's no deadlines. There's no timetables. It just kind of sits there. And what makes it accelerate? What makes it decelerate? Well, obviously, you know, what makes it accelerate is the, the sudden emergence of a videotape. Now, all of a sudden, it goes to the front of the stove and the heat is turned up to high. But what allows one of these cases to just percolate? Like, I'd love to know, and this is the recovering lawyer in me that would love to know how they handle this process. How many open files are there? How often do they have status meetings? Do they sit around and say, all right, here are all the open files. We got Kareem Hunt. We have the February incident. We have the June incident. Where does that stand? Well, we called the girl and she didn't call back. All right, we'll talk about it again next week. All right, next week. Where does it stand? Well, we called the girl again and she didn't call back. What kind of vigilance is being utilized here? And and, and look, my, my theory is, if you read our item from Saturday, that the league overreacted to the Ray Rice situation because the commissioner spent, I don't know, 10 days to two weeks going to sleep, wondering whether or not he was going to have his job the next morning. That's how bad it was from a public outcry standpoint. And then after Ezekiel Elliott, he spent, I don't know, longer than two weeks, longer than two months, wondering whether or not Jerry Jones was going to block his contract extension and effectively end his tenure because he went too far in reaction to Rice. See, after Ray Rice, I never want to go through this experience again where I'm accused of not doing enough and I find my employment in jeopardy. Then after Elliot, well, I never want to do this again where I go too far and I sufficiently anger a powerful owner and I find my employment in jeopardy. So there's a middle ground. And I think the middle ground is let sleeping dogs lie. I feel like that's what they did here. We check the boxes. We have our ass covered when it comes to making the requests, as cursory as they may be, to get the information. So if the video ever does show up, we can say, hey, we tried. Don't get mad at us. We tried. And that's why I feel like they ultimately strike this balance on the side of not doing everything they have to do to get the video. I think they know. They're smart enough to know there's a video. The hotel won't give them the video. If there's no video, the answer is there's no video. Not we won't give it to you. They knew there was a video. They consciously decided to stop the efforts to get the video, knowing full well there was a chance TMZ was going to get the video. Also, they could just let it lie. Let it be. We're not going to suspend this guy six games and get Clark Hunt upset with us. We're not going to make a negative PR story 
when there doesn't need to be one. See, that's the other side of this. If this whole thing is driven by PR, then part of the PR consideration is, why are we making this a story? It's one thing if everyone knows when a guy gets arrested and charged with domestic violence. There's nothing you can do about it at that point. Kareem Hunt wasn't even arrested. Why are we making an issue out of it? No one is writing about it. No one is asking us questions about it. No one is gathering at 345 Park Avenue and demanding justice over this. Why do we want to make an issue out of it until we have to? And if the video comes out, then we have to. And the wrath of the NFL falls onto Kareem Hunt. Again, I'm not saying I agree with any of this. I'm just trying to understand it. And the one last factor on this before we move on to the developments in Green Bay. Why is the girl, 19 years old, I believe, who was very motivated to have charges filed against Kareem Hunt, why is she not cooperating with the NFL? Was there something in one of the messages that made her concerned? Some have speculated there was a settlement between Hunt and the girl, although Hunt said in his interview with ESPN he doesn't even know who the girl is. It's possible he lawyered up and the lawyer took care of it and Hunt just signs paperwork. So it's possible he's telling the truth. You know, a lot of times the best lawyers completely insulate their clients from anything and everything. Minimal knowledge, minimal awareness, minimal exposure, sign the paperwork, cut the check, and off you go. That's possible. Now, I've seen also some of the accounts suggesting that there were racial slurs used by the girl or people with the girl. So I could see that there would be reluctance to push for justice when you know that if you push hard enough, your name, your face, your address, your workplace, you're going to get all sorts of negative consequences that flow once people start talking more extensively about the language you may have used. That's a reason to keep your mouth shut and your head low. So who knows? But for whatever reason, the alleged victim has opted not to engage with the NFL. How far do you push that? That's one of the realities of domestic violence victims. There's a sensitivity to how hard you push. And if they don't want to be involved, they're not involved. What can you do? You can't force them to be involved. See, and that's the big flaw in this whole exercise by the NFL. They have no subpoena power. They can't subpoena the video from the hotel. They can't force witnesses to cooperate. With Ezekiel Elliott, there was a very motivated alleged victim who was interviewed six times. And then when the time came to have the hearing, well, we can't force her to show up. Well, did you even ask her to show up? Well, we can't force her to show up. We have no subpoena power. Well, no, but she cooperated with you. Why isn't she there? Why doesn't Ezekiel Elliott's lawyer have a chance to ask her questions? Just basic rights that people have get thrown out the window when you rely on cooperation and then when you say we can't get people to come. And, you know, with Reuben Foster, the first domestic violence arrest from earlier this year, the victim recants. Well, at that point, she ain't going to cooperate with the NFL. So there's nothing the NFL could do. See, that's the problem. They want to create their own private justice system, but that process is inherently flawed. They want to supplement the work of the public criminal justice system. The NFL's powers are limited. Their processes are flawed. I have said in the past, based upon some of these specific examples, like Ezekiel Elliott, it's a combination of Keystone Cops and Kangaroo Court. And that was my assessment after studying the facts, studying the circumstances, looking at the rights that were afforded to Elliot 
And I think they've tried to find a way to ease out of that business or strike a better balance where they only have to fire up that engine when they absolutely positively have to. And the one situation where they absolutely positively have to is when there's video. All right, so to summarize, Kareem Hunt is a free agent. Kareem Hunt will not be allowed to play for anyone even if he signed. Kareem Hunt eventually will be suspended by the league for one, two, or three different incidents or a combination of the three. And if it's announced in the offseason, here's where it gets interesting. If it's announced in February or March, a team could sign him and have him around for the offseason program, training camp, preseason, and then he leaves for the start of the personal conduct policy suspension, and then he comes back. I think it all depends upon how long the suspension is and how quickly a decision is made. And if I'm representing Kareem Hunt at this point, I am pestering Lisa Friel or whoever is in charge of this at the league office to get this done and reach a decision because right now the player's in limbo. He's not getting paid. He's not playing. Let's get this done. Let's come to a conclusion. Now that I'm on the commissioner exempt list, it's almost like the Michael Kendrick situation. I felt like, and to their credit, the league didn't do this. I felt like with Michael Kendrick, they were trying to kick the can through the entire end of the season, get him to his sentencing. He pleaded guilty to insider trading charges at the federal level, and then you wash your hands of him. Time is of the essence now. Because if you're Kareem Hunt, you want to have certainty about what your punishment's going to be by the time the offseason program begins in April. Because you want teams to know specifically how many games you're going to miss. And you want teams to be able to make the decision. Do we bring this guy in? Do we have him as part of the team? Do we get him ready? And then do we bring him back after 8, 9, 10, 12, however many games? Maybe it's a full season. Either way, the sooner he knows, the better off he'll be. And that is the only available segue into the Packers situation. The sooner they implemented their firing decision of Mike McCarthy, the better off everyone would be. That was the justification given by CEO Mark Murphy on Monday. Tony Dungy reacted fairly strongly on Football Night in America to the news that Mike McCarthy had been fired with four games left. Others in the media have taken the same approach. 12-plus years as the coach, a Super Bowl championship, nine playoff appearances. He deserves more, McCarthy does, than to be fired with games left. The other side of the coin is, and this is how Mark Murphy explained it today to reporters, it gives the Packers a head start on interviewing candidates who currently aren't attached to other teams, on doing the work necessary. You know, if you keep McCarthy and you start doing that work, all it takes is one badly timed leak and you got a Sunday splash report that the Packers have communicated with Bruce Arians about interviewing for the job that Mike McCarthy currently has. And that's the other thing, too. Some people may be reluctant. Remember when Bill Cowher was seemingly inevitably going to return to coaching? He wouldn't talk about any job that was still filled. So now the job's open. So if there's anyone out there who says, well, we're not, we're, I don't want to even comment on whether or not I'd be interested. Well, now that's not an issue. And also, Murphy said that the head start from McCarthy allows him to find his next destination. And, you know, Murphy's point was that Mike McCarthy's tenure has run its course. And I've had people with other teams say to me, what about what about Murphy's tenure? He's been there almost as long as McCarthy. Has his tenure run its course? Yeah, I got some feedback, some negative feedback about Murphy. And I remember after the CBA in 2011, of all the villains 
that the NFL Players Association could have directed their venom at. The person with whom they were the most upset wasn't Roger Goodell, wasn't Jeff Pash, wasn't John Mara, wasn't Jerry Jones, wasn't Bob Batterman, lockout Bob. It was Mark Murphy. Now, maybe that's because Murphy was a player, maybe it's because Murphy was involved in the union, but it was Mark Murphy. And when Murphy was pressed on his qualifications to hire a coach today, he said, well, I'm really reluctant to brag on myself. And then he he kind of bragged on himself. And he said he doesn't have much of an ego. You know, my litmus test or litmus test, if you're Chris Sims, anyone who says I'm humble, anyone who says I don't really have an ego, anyone who says, see, if you say it, chances are you're not it. Then I think you just be it. And you trust that people who get it will realize that you are that thing that you would say you are. So, I don't know. Is Mark Murphy part of the problem? Remains to be seen. I like the vibe from Brian Gutekunst. I've interviewed him a couple of times, and I think the Packers are in good hands with him. And Murphy's getting toward the end of the run. He's 63. This is his only coaching hire. If all goes well, he will not hire another coach. If Mark Murphy is hiring a second coach, he probably shouldn't be hiring a second coach. Because McCarthy predated Murphy. And now Murphy will make the decision with active involvement from Brian Gutekunst. And they've put no parameters on the search. This all came out of today's press conference. No parameters. They're going to look anywhere. It's a crucial decision. Joe Philbin is going to be evaluated. They want to see how the team responds to him as the interim head coach over the next four weeks. Joe Philbin's a candidate. I don't know how viable of a candidate, but he's a candidate. And the X factor in all of this is Aaron Rodgers, without question. Now, they said Aaron is free to give his input, but he won't be part of the process. And over the course of the entire press conference, I took that to mean that Aaron won't be meeting with candidates. And I think that's a mistake because I think that Murphy and Gutekunst need to watch Rodgers interact with the candidates to get a feel for what kind of chemistry is there because that's the most important relationship in the organization. Rodgers, highest paid player in NFL history, $33.5 million in new money under his new deal, the face of the franchise, the most powerful person on the team. You want to be damn sure that you have a good feeling about the relationship or lack thereof between Rodgers and the new coach, because that's going to be the most critical relationship, especially as we see more and more and hear more and more about the issues between McCarthy and Rodgers. And look, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have some pushback against Rodgers. You're going to have pushback against McCarthy. I think there may be some reports that emerge from anonymous sources about how difficult it is to get through to Rodgers and maybe Rodgers doesn't take coaching. Jeff Saturday was on ESPN today talking about his limited time with the Packers saying that Aaron Rodgers would roll his eyes at certain play calls. How much of this is Rodgers? How much of this is McCarthy? None of that matters, but you can learn from that when recognizing the importance of hiring a coach who's going to have the right touch with Aaron Rodgers. You need somebody who can get through to Aaron Rodgers, who can press his button. What's your plan? Even if you're not meeting with Aaron Rodgers. Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, and Candidate X in a room. What's your plan for getting the most out of Aaron Rodgers? What's your plan for using Aaron Rodgers? 
well, I have my system. Well, wait a minute. What's your system? Well, I run you know, this system. and the, 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 No. What do you propose? We do. Get up on the board. Show me the ideal play based upon Aaron Rodgers' skill sets. Are you going to put the Hail Mary in the standard offense? I remember I, I used to say it as a joke. It's one of his best throws. He can throw that thing with pinpoint accuracy from 50 yards away. That's the challenge. Finding the things that Rodgers does best, figuring out how he responds best. His body language on Sunday was dreadful. Dreadful. And I think his facial expressions were easier to read without that beard and mustache. His lips were definitely easier to read. He was saying some words you can't say on TV. He had some bad throws on that drive that resulted in the missed field goal. You have to wonder if that field goal gets made and the Packers win that game, are we even having this conversation today? Probably not. Not many coaches get fired after a win. But my God, it was the Cardinals, a West Coast warm weather team coming to Green Bay on a December day, the perfect Lambeau field day, perfect home field advantage, and the Cardinals win. The Cardinals, who I think were number 32 in the power rankings, at least ours. So, yeah. I think they need to make Rodgers a key factor in this because this coach will at least be there for the rest of Rodgers' tenure. Or he's going to be the coach who runs Rodgers off. And my ideal candidate continues to be Bruce Arians. Because I think Bruce Arians will know exactly what to say to Aaron Rodgers. He'll bring the right sense of urgency, the right blend of comedy. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to get along with anybody, it's going to be Bruce Arians. And there's a chance that he's not going to get along the way he needs to with anyone. You know, there is a chance that some of this comes from him. There is a chance. There is a chance. I'm not saying this is the case, but there is a chance that Rodgers is a little mean-spirited, a little manipulative, a little passive-aggressive. Remember the comments from 2016 before they got their act together? When they were 4-6 and six and they finally found the gas pedal and carried it all the way to the NFC Championship game? Remember when Rodgers said, we don't have the right energy on the sidelines during the games? That, that falls within the purview of the coach. That was a shot at the coach. And when he said, there needs to be a healthy fear that if you don't do your job, you're not going to be here anymore. Again, this is the team that Lombardi coached. Lombardi's going to kick your ass out of the building. If you aren't doing your job. And I dared to point that out. And I dared to acknowledge the possible existence of a passive aggressive awkwardness between these two guys that was playing out publicly with no one really taking a shot at the other, but saying enough so the messages were there. And that's when Rogers said something like, don't waste your time reading that crap that I write. Well, look. I knew we were eventually going to end in this spot. I knew that McCarthy was eventually going to get fired. They weren't going to pick Rodgers over McCarthy. And they're not going to pick Rodgers, or they're not going to pick the next guy. Wait a minute, did I get that right? They're not going to pick McCarthy over Rodgers. And they're not going to pick the next coach over Rodgers. Most likely. Depends on how many years out it happens. But if there's a coach out there that just wants to coach the Packers and doesn't want to coach Aaron Rodgers and wants to pull a Josh McDaniels with Jay Cutler and run Rodgers out of town, obviously that's not going to work. It's got to be somebody who wants Rodgers. And, you know, Bruce Arians has said that the Browns is the only job he wants. Well, that was before the Packers job came open. Now that the Packers job is open, that may change things. 
So that's what I'm intrigued by. Would Arians be interested? Because I think the Packers should be interested in Arians. And our question from PFT Live today, over 8,600 responses so far, which current head coaching opening is more attractive? All factors considered. The Browns are leading 52 to 48. A year ago, two years ago, you would have scoffed at the idea that the Browns would be viewed as more attractive than the Packers. But they have Baker Mayfield. All flaws, all issues, all glitches in Cleveland, they've got Baker Mayfield. And also, if you win in Cleveland, you get a statue. You get something big named after you. You're a hero. You're their Vince Lombardi. Packers already got a Vince Lombardi. In Cleveland, you can be Vince Lombardi. And with Baker Mayfield, you got a chance to get there. I talked to Tyron Matthew of the Texans after yesterday's Houston win over Cleveland, and he said, Baker Mayfield was a little rattled in the first half. He settled down, and I can see why the kid's going to be special. They got their quarterback. They've been looking, and they got their quarterback. I frankly, and uh, I probably would, I would want the Browns job over the Packers right now. I would. Too many X factors in Green Bay. I like the fact that you have a little more power and a little more freedom because you don't have an owner. But I, I just, I'd rather work with Baker Mayfield at this point than Aaron Rodgers. Because I, I think that Aaron Rodgers bears more blame than he's gotten, in large part because most people give him none. I think he's partially responsible. Because I put Peyton Manning or Tom Brady in that spot with that team over the last five, six, seven years since they won a Super Bowl. I feel like more would have been done by them to fix this. And don't get me wrong, Aaron Rodgers is a great passer, but the job is about more than passing. And that leads me to one last point before I take some of your questions. I don't want to hear quarterbacks should have no say in the process of hiring the coach. Stay in your lane, you're just a quarterback. They want the quarterbacks to be part of management when it comes to showing up early, staying late, watching film, working with players, having those off-the-grid workouts between the end of the offseason program and the start of training camp. There's a lot of crap they put on a quarterback that makes him quasi-management. If you're going to do that, then involve him in free agency discussions, in, I mean, basically you're grooming him, right? You want him to pretend to be a manager when it's suitable for you. Let him pretend to be a manager all the time. I just don't think it's fair. And we've had that conversation before as it relates to free agency. But I think as it relates to input in the hiring of a coach, it's just as important. You want Aaron Rodgers to be involved in game planning. You want Aaron Rodgers to be all in and be the example that inspires the teammates. You you need to treat him accordingly. And that applies to any quarterback. Okay, small business owners, do you need help managing cash flow, hiring employees, purchasing inventory, or upgrading your office space? Getting access to capital is incredibly challenging and time-consuming for small business owners. Most traditional banks lack the technology and resources to truly understand a small business. And, of course, they prefer to just lend their money to larger, more established, 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 it's been a long day, businesses. That brings us to On Deck. 100% committed to small business owners with fast, easy, and tailored financing. You can get funding in as fast as 24 hours with term loans up to $500,000 and lines of credit up to $100,000, none of which require 
business collateral application process is simple and it won't impact your personal credit. On Deck delivers some of the best customer service and U.S.-based loan specialists have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. On Deck has loaned over $10 billion to more than 80,000 small business owners. If you're a small business owner and you need access to capital, go to ondeck.com slash PFT right now. As an exclusive listener to this podcast, you'll receive a free consultation with one of their U.S.-based loan specialists. Apply online or by phone and get approved in minutes. Go to ondeck.com slash PFT. That's O-N-D-E-C-K dot com slash PFT for your free consultation now. All right, time to answer your questions. Hang on one second. Got to respond to a text message. All right, time to answer your questions. Let's see what we have here. And I don't have a whole lot of time because I got to get my workout in before I go down and eat a bunch of Pizza Hut pizza tonight for the... But I'm getting sad. You know, Washington, Philadelphia tonight. We'll be down in the barn watching that. I, I think as we get close to the holidays and the games aren't as compelling as they used to be, you know, it's, it's getting harder to get the barn filled up. Two weeks ago was the high watermark with Rams Chiefs. Tonight, Eagles Washington. We'll probably have a, a decent handful. I don't even think I'm going to do it Thursday night. I, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I, I I'm just not going to do it. I, I Jacksonville Tennessee. I, I I'll watch it in the house. That's it. Um. Next Monday night, Seattle, Minnesota, that'll be a good one. Next Thursday night, Chargers, Chiefs, that'll be a great one. That's the last Thursday night game. And then the following Monday, Panthers, Saints, meh. A couple weeks ago, that looked like one hell of a game. Right now, not. All right. Uh, Anyway, I don't know why I'm even talking about that. I really am loopy. I'm going to answer the best questions and then call this. I appreciate that there's probably about, what, 35, 40 questions. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Boy, it's been a long day. Here we go. 41 questions. Sorry, I ain't going to get to all 41. And I'm going to skip over anything that addresses Kareem Hunt or Mike McCarthy. I hope I've hit all your questions on that. If, if something jumps out that we haven't gotten to, then then I'll... I'll uh, Oh, and here it is at PFTPM Posse. What happened to the NFL finding and taking away draft picks when teams take chances on players with red flags? I remember them finding some teams once, but nothing else. Any insight? There is a system in place when you have multiple players who are suspended. Part of their salary ends up becoming a fine that gets contributed to the league's preferred charities. However, back when player misconduct was a much bigger deal and it seemed like nothing was going to change it, my argument was you start taking away draft picks and that's how you get teams to stop taking chances on players with off-field issues in the past and you also encourage teams to do a better job of helping their players. You know, that's the one big X factor in this. What are you doing to help keep your guys out of trouble? Some teams can do it, some teams can't. This one comes from Homemade Pie. Did the Dallas Cowboys improve because of or in spite of Jason hashtag Ginger Clapper Garrett? Uh, Maybe a little bit of both. I think Ezekiel Elliott took that team on his back four weeks ago. They, They weren't trying to save Jason Garrett's job. They were trying to get to the playoffs. I don't know how much Jason Garrett is responsible. His plan is working. Plan. It's not even plan A. It's just plan because there is no plan B. Because the players are busting their asses and playing harder. And he's got to get some of the credit for turning that around. He's not going to be coach of the year or anything, but he's he's saved his job so far. Now, 
even though he beat the Saints the other night, if he doesn't make it to the playoffs, I, I still don't think he's back next year. PFTPM Posse via Leapers 500 with a few rapid-fire passing of owners. Do you see franchises changing hands or long-awaited owners groups who want a team making serious runs at the heirs or trustees? Look, a lot of this is determined in advance, right? Who's going to run the team? Cal McNair is going to run the Texans after the passing of Bob McNair. We don't know what's going to happen with the Seattle Seahawks. We still don't know. Paul Allen's sister is the executrix of the estate, and will the team be sold? Will she run it? We don't know. But most of these things are planned in advance. The key factor in all of this is the estate taxes because the franchise is worth a ton of money and there has to be enough liquid cash available to pay the estate taxes because for some families, and I remember this happened with Jack Kent Cook who owned Washington before Daniel Snyder. I think he was the one who owned it before Daniel Snyder, although there may have been somebody in between. Was there somebody in between? Anyway, um, I think... I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. But I, I think Joe Robbie's family had to do the same thing. When you, he was the Dolphins owner for years. When you pass, if you don't have the money to pay the estate taxes on the asset that is your football team, you got to sell the football team to raise the money to pay the estate taxes. So the, the broader challenge is, as the values of these teams get higher and higher and higher, will there be enough human beings who have the money available to own and operate the teams? Or will there have to be reduced percentages of the minimum that you have to own? Will there be corporate ownership in the future? Will the Packers no longer be the exception? I mean, as th- that, that's a great problem to have, I guess, because it means your franchises are worth ungodly amounts of money, but it could be, it could be an issue, especially if they try to keep some of these franchises in families. Terry Gensler, and this question is kind of related to John M. Wells IV. And I'm going to go with Wells' question here. Is there any possibility the Vikings would dump John Filippo and his awful, awful play calling? Please give me some shred of hope. Well, Mike Zimmer, the head coach of the Vikings, addressed today that Filippo is doing a good job and everything's fine. But that, but you've got Zimmer every other week saying we don't run the football enough. That implies that Filippo is not doing a great job. And I think, I wrote this today, I think that Filippo is trying to show off to get himself a head coaching job. I remember when Hugh Jackson was in Cincinnati before he got the Browns job. He was doing all sorts of funky stuff with offensive linemen split out wide. And it's like, dude, why? Oh, you're trying to be a head coach. And that's why I think Filippo's not running the ball as much as he could or should. At some level, conscious or subconscious, he wants to be a head coach. And you don't become a head coach in this league by having gaudy rushing stats you become a head coach in this league in this era by orchestrating impressive passing attacks let's see what else we have here Sergio D how was Mark Sanchez able to serve a four game PED suspension while not being on a roster that's the rule you can serve your suspension while not on a roster otherwise no one's ever going to sign you if you sign someone and oh by the way you don't have him for four weeks well, well why the hell did we sign him Fittison Kane, will the recent push for young offensive-minded coaches spark a substantial boost for coaching pay, both to attract a coordinator to a head coaching job or to keep young current offensive coordinator? I don't know that if that it, that it increases the pay. Now, there may be some guy out there that everyone just has to have, and maybe there's a bidding war for that person. But, you know, they're looking for the next Sean McVay. They just don't know who the next Sean McVay is. And what's going to happen is somebody's going to hire somebody that they think is the next Sean McVay, and he's not going to be the next Sean McVay. But right now, the trend is offense, 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 offense. You just got to find those coaches somewhere. And look, this is a reason not to hire a defensive coach right now. 
Because if this trend continues, you hire a defensive coach. He goes out and gets a good offensive coordinator. The offense is great. Well, that guy's going to get hired to be a head coach somewhere else. Should just hire that guy to be your head coach now. That's the problem the Falcons got into with Kyle Shanahan and Dan Quinn. Oh, Dan Quinn's the coach. Kyle Shanahan's the offensive coordinator. Um, okay. Shanahan did a great job. And now he's gone. And now they have Sark. Just make the offensive guy your head coach. Let's see what else we have here. The Real Forno. Ask me this officiating question, Tyler, later in the week. I'll have a longer answer. At The Real Forno after Baker, who's the second best rookie quarterback. I know the most exciting is Josh Allen. 135 yards rushing yesterday. That pass at the end of the game. All Josh just put a little more oomph on it. Strongest arm among the rookie class, and he just didn't put enough on it. On Tour Forever wants me to get Amy Trask on the show before the end of the season. She had some great points on the pregame show yesterday about Kareem Hunt. Hashtag Amy for commish. I agree with all those points, and we'll try to get her back on here. I'm scrolling through here because I really, I've really got to go. I've, I'm getting a call from... Uh, from nature and uh, I don't want to ignore it because sometimes windows are open and then sometimes windows close and that's all I'm going to say about that so let's do this if there's any question in here that you have asked today and I appreciate it we'll do it again tomorrow and or Wednesday and I'll, I'll do a session at some point this week where I answer every question. So just ask your question again on Tuesday or Wednesday. The next time you see the bat signal or Gene Simmons or whatever I I throw up, they're different than a football picture to get your attention. And we'll do it again later in the week. Thanks for some of your time. As always, have a great day. Enjoy the game tonight. And check us out tomorrow morning for PFT Live. You can find the PFT PM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFT PM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.